Good day, brothers and sisters, and welcome to New Creation Realities. And we're going to continue today with our lessons, Let There Be Light. And uh, <clears throat> I just wanted to share some things that the Lord had put on my heart when I was uh, considering just my notes and the outline and everything. And just with our the, the theme of these current lessons, Let There Be Light, just considering that, I want us to think of, and I've used this example uh, before, so you, you may have already heard this example, but it just came up again. I want us to think of a place where people go to shoot bows and arrows, all right? And... <clears throat> Forgive me on my examples, but hey, <laughs> there you go. But so think of a think of a place where people go to shoot uh, arrows with bows. Bo place a bow and arrows. You know, grab the arrow, pull back on the bowstring, and let go to hit the target to hit the bullseye. All right. <clears throat> now, what if? Uh, in this place, there's several people there, and then someone um, just says, okay, everyone, go hit the bullseye. And everyone takes off running to hit the bullseye. All right, that, that's, that's the scenario of our example. What if, and here we go, what if with that scenario that, um, what if no one has actually seen the bullseye, or the target. Then, <clears throat> most likely, some will run over here and say, this is the target, this is the bullseye. Maybe some will run over here this other direction and say, no, 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 this is the target, this is the bullseye and so on and so forth. And so now you have groups that have run over here and said, no, this is the target, this is the bullseye that we're after. And a different group saying, no, 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 you guys got it wrong. We have the correct target. We have the correct bullseye. Come over here with us. This is the, the bullseye to be hit. And so when you have all these different groups thinking they're hitting the bullseye, that they're hitting the target, or that they have the correct bullseye, and that they have the correct target. And yet with this example, no one has seen the bullseye. No one has seen the, the true target, the correct target. <clears throat> this, my brothers and sisters, is the mind of the first man, Adam. Remember Adam in, in the garden. God says, of every tree you can eat freely, just don't eat of this one tree, the tree of death. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and yet Adam was completely blind to this tree. 
I say Adam, Adam and Eve, the first man, male and female, Adam, a creation, a kind, humanity, man, the first man, Adam, completely blind to the tree of life. Did not, could not, could never even consider what he was blind to. This is the mind of the first man, Adam. Everyone who is not born again will consider everything but Jesus. They'll consider the, the term salvation. It sounds like a good term. They just won't equate salvation with the person of Christ himself. They'll consider life. They just won't, will not equate life with the person of Jesus Christ himself. That's why if you go to a non-believer or someone who, someone who is not born again and say, you need life, they'll look at you as though you have three heads. See, no, <laughs> you don't understand. I already have life. <clears throat> the first man, Adam, is blind to Christ. The eternal, how shall we say it? The eternal goal of God, which he has reached and found in the person of his son. The first man, Adam, completely blind to this one. Now, we who are born again, the Apostle Paul, declaring the mind of the Lord, declaring the mind of God, says, but we have the mind of Christ. This is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. He says this. He says, but we, we who are born again, we who are believers, we who are Christians, we have the mind of Christ. And so here's my question. <clears throat> For us who are born again, what mind is our heart submitted unto? Is our heart, see, the one who's not born again, he, he has no choice. The one who's not born again, there is no other option. The one who's not born again, his heart is submitted to the natural mind, the carnal mind, the first man, Adam, the mind of Adam, the Adamic man. There's no other option for him. For us who are born again, brothers and sisters, we have the mind of Christ. But what mind is our heart submitted unto? Is our heart still submitted unto the first man, Adam? Therefore, being blind? Blind to, I'll say it this way, the bullseye? Blind to the eternal goal? Blind to Christ himself? Or is our heart submitted unto the eternal mind, the mind of Christ? where we actually see the target, where we actually see the goal, the bullseye. One can be done by our ability, that, that is everything found in the first man, Adam. The other requires a miracle of God, what man cannot do. By a miracle of God, 
we are given the ability to receive Christ. And also by a miracle of God, we are giving, given the ability to be able to know the one whom we have received. Until this point, until this takes place, this miracle of God in our hearts, then my brothers and sisters, we will run and say, this is the target. This is the bullseye. Others will say, no, you have it incorrect. This over here is the target. This over here is the bullseye. And so on and so forth. But see, <clears throat> God does not see a plurality. God sees one. One. Everything of man including the natural mind of man, is from below, is below. But the eternal mind, everything of God, is always, always above. Always above. All right? So there's my example. Now, here's, here's a question. I've got a question for us. What is the the importance of the scriptures. And when I went right here, when I say the scriptures, I mean the Old Testament. What is the importance of the scriptures, the Old Testament? Why are the scriptures, the Old Testament, important? I have one verse <clears throat> that I look at for this very answer. This is Jesus himself speaking and declaring the following. He's, he, of course, is speaking to the Jews, but he's declaring the truth regardless. He says, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. Basically, he's saying, You're searching for something in the scriptures and you think you have found what you're searching for, what you're looking for. But where, where you are searching, they testify of me. He goes on to say, verse 40, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. A person. Everything that is found in the scriptures is pointing, is directing to a person. This is, what, this is what the light of the testimony does. It directs, it prepares the ground of the heart, directs the heart, brings the heart by the work of the Holy Spirit unto a person. Time and time and time again, unto nothing less. And actually, in all my classes, uh, this is the, the passage right here that the Lord has just kind of impressed upon my heart for when, when I read and what He would do in my own heart as far as directing my heart unto Christ His Son and the purpose of the Scriptures, the purpose of the testimony. And so, 
though man, man, listen, man, heart submitted unto the natural mind, the carnal mind, the first man, the mind of the first man, Adam, the Adamic mind, man will have several different, I'll just say this, goals, several different uh, targets to aim at, several different bullseye, bullseyes to hit. And yet God has one, is always his son, always his son. With man, it's a multi, multi, I don't even know if this is a word or not, multiplicity, complexity of confusion. I say confusion because confusion is found when there's more than one in view. Doubt is also found when there's more than one in view. That's all wrapped up with the mind of the first man, Adam. And yet with God, there is no doubt with God. There is no confusion with God. Our God is not a God of confusion. It is quite clear with God that there is only one, because He has only one in view. This is Christ Jesus the Lord, right? <clears throat> now, I want us to read another passage here. This is, uh, this is Acts. Now, and before I read, before I even tell you this, and before we read it, I want to mention the following. The natural son, to me, and I believe according to even the scriptures, the natural son is a type of the testimony found in the scriptures. And just thinking back <clears throat> with uh, creation, God gave the, the natural son to rule during the day, to govern during the day. He gave the moon and the stars to rule, to govern during the night. Now, once again, with the first man, Adam, everything that is below is night and darkness. And yet, above is only light. And just looking at these, <clears throat> even, even with those uh, three examples that I gave, the, the sun, the moon, and the stars, all those lights in type are above. Are above. Some shine in the day, some shine in the darkness, but they are always above. Okay? And just with another example of that, just because uh, I did equate the natural sun with the light of the testimony of the found in, within the scriptures, I'll just go ahead and say this. To me, the, the moon is, a, is the testimony that is found in the church, like the, the golden lampstand, the same thing. Testimony that is found in the church. The stars is the testimony that is found, the light of the, the, light of the stars, is the light of the testimony that is found in each individual believer. Okay? <clears throat> That's just to me. The wise men, remember, we just uh, celebrated Christmas not too long ago. The wise men followed a star, but they followed that light in darkness to come to the true light of the world. Their hearts were prepared of God to follow a light. Their hearts were directed by a light 
that brought them, that led them, that guided them unto a person. Jesus Christ Himself. All right, so now, <clears throat> and please listen to this. Knowing that doesn't make us uh, more wise or anything or more knowledgeable. No, knowing that uh, makes us nothing. Except the Holy Spirit take that and use that for God's very own end and God's very own purpose. We have actually learned nothing at this point. And at every and any point, remember, it requires a miracle of God. Acts chapter 26, verse beginning with verse, I'll just start with verse 12. Basically, this is Saul before he was changed by the Lord, <clears throat> before his name's changed from Saul to Paul, the Apostle Paul. But this is before his name changed. And see, here's the thing. Saul of Tarsus had the scriptures. He had them. He had them. He never saw, with my example, he never saw the bullseye of the scriptures. He never saw the target of the scriptures. He never saw the goal of the scriptures. He never saw the purpose of the scriptures. But he had the scriptures. So therefore, he was like one who had never seen the target and was hitting everything else and calling that the target based upon the very scriptures that he had. I mean, he had. He, we're going to read in a second, he was commissioned by the high priests to go persecute the Christians who had, by the, by the work of the Holy Spirit, by God himself, come to the purpose of the scriptures, who had come to the true light of the world. And so Saul of Tarsus, he has the scriptures, and yet, not yet, having light. Not yet having the light of the testimony, therefore not being able to come in his heart unto the true light of the world. He continues abiding in darkness. Acts chapter 26, verse 12. While thus occupied, I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests. And see, this, this same Saul of Tarsus is the one who consented to the stoning of Stephen. When Stephen was declaring the purpose, the theme, the substance, the goal, the bullseye, the target of the scriptures. The eternal theme of the scriptures. I think it's Acts chapter 7. Stephen was declaring Christ himself, Jesus Christ himself, as the sum totality of what the scriptures declared. Now, if he would have, uh, if Stephen, if Stephen would have just said a king or a Messiah, everyone would have been okay in agreement with him. But once he made that person personable, that's it. Once he gave that king, once he gave that Messiah, that Christ, that high priest, all the terms that are found in the Old Testament, once he gave that title, 
to the person of Jesus, that's when they got upset. Well, we can accept the Messiah. We're just not going to accept the Messiah in this person right here, in this man right here. We can accept eternal life. We just can't accept it in this person right here. And yet this person right here, my brothers and sisters, is the one whom God himself chose. But the natural mind, the mind of Adam, the Adamic mind of the first man, Adam, is completely blind to the one whom God has chosen. And so here's Stephen declaring the testimony of God from the scriptures. I mean, he, he goes through it. And finally, he says something like, and you, stiff-necked and hard-hearted, you reject the Holy Spirit who's trying to direct by the testimony found in the scriptures, direct your heart unto the true light of the world, the true one of the world. So they got upset with him because he was declaring Jesus Christ, the one God had anointed and declared to be the Messiah, the Christ. And they got upset with him and stoned him. And there was Saul of Tarsus holding their coats. Their coats were laid at his feet. Saul of Tarsus basically saying, yes, 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 get rid of him. Because Saul of Tarsus and all the others who were present had some other goal in view, some other bullseye in view, some other purpose in view. It doesn't matter what they had in view. They did not have Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, in view. Requires a miracle of God, all right? So here's, <clears throat> here's Saul of Tarsus. Uh, actually, this is Paul at the time, and he's just recounting um, his conversion on the road to Damascus, I believe. Uh, verse, verse 12, while thus occupied, basically occupied with persecuting the Christians, because in his mind at the time, they, they were declaring a false uh, Messiah. In his mind, the natural first Adamic mind, the mind of the first man, Adam, in his mind, they were declaring a false uh, doctrine, a false teaching, a false message, a false person. That was in their mind. So verse 12, while thus occupied as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, he totally had their consent, go for it, do it. You've, we're backing you on this. Here we go, diagram. We know what it's about. You know what it's about. We're backing you 100% on this. That's the mind of Adam. Listen to what he says right here. Verse 13, at midday, O king. Basically noontime. The time when the natural sun is in its bright, bright, brightest point of the day. The brightest point of the day is midday, noon, high noon. <laughs> when the natural sun shines its brightest. And so remember, Saul of Tarsus has the scriptures. He searches the scriptures as well. 
He even memorizes the scriptures being a Pharisee. And yet these scriptures contain within the fabric of them the testimony of Jesus Christ, which is a light unto my path, lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. At midday, the brightest shining of the day, of the sun in the natural day, O King Agrippa, along the road, I saw a light from heaven. So there's the natural light. Then there's another light, light from heaven. Now listen to his description. Brighter than the sun. A light brighter than the sun. We're going to continue reading and discover who this light actually is. And I know you already know the answer. Brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, taken our rightful place, (laughs) I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, praise God that he was given the ability to even hear the voice. Because uh, in a different account, yeah, I think it was in a different account, it says that those who were with me, they didn't hear the voice. They just thought it thundered or something. They just, they, they didn't know it was a voice speaking. But Saul of Tarsus, by God, was giving, given the ability to even hear this voice that spoke to him. And when we, we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my people? No. This new religion, no. This new sect that has risen up, no. Why are you persecuting me? And then he goes on to say the following. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Basically saying the following. The scriptures are designed of God to be the testimony of Jesus Christ, which testimony directs and guides unto a person who is Christ himself. And just like when a person, a farmer, is plowing a field, he knows the end goal. He knows the target that will create a straight path that he must remain upon, whether the oxen are aware of it or not. The farmer knows. And so as the oxen began to stray off the straight and narrow, the farmer would have this, basically it's a stick with a point on it. It's it's called a goad, but it's basically a stick with a point on it. And when they would begin to stray, he would poke them to get them back on the correct path to arrive at the correct destination. All the while staying on the straight and narrow path. And so, I don't know about you, 
but I sure don't like get, getting poked with a poker, <laughs> a sharp, pointy object. And so these ox, oxen, when that would happen, you know, when the farmer would poke them, they'd get upset. It's like, hey, and some of them would try to kick against it, you know, raise their hoof against it. Well, that only makes it worse. Because now, it's like as the farmer's trying to poke them, I don't know where they poke them, but if you start trying to kick against it, you're just hurting yourself. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. You're resisting the direction the testimony is directing. It's hard to do. You're contrary to the eternal mind of God. It's, it's like this. You're like this. The natural mind, the carnal mind is enmity, he goes on later to say as the Apostle Paul. Enmity with God. Because God has his end in view. And the natural mind, the carnal mind, the mind of the first man, Adam, has his, listen to the way I say this, ends, plural, in view. Completely blind to the end goal of God. All right. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So basically, he was in the scriptures and the testimony was beginning to try to direct his heart it had been preparing the ground of his heart. I mean, sure, surely he heard the testimony of Jesus Christ as he was consenting to the death of Stephen. He heard the testimony of Christ in the scriptures. He was just resisting it. Praise God. <laughs> when the Lord steps in, Resistance is futile. <laughs> That's basically what's going on here. <clears throat> Verse 15. So I said, who are you, Lord? Number one, he's acknowledging, I have no clue who you are. I don't know you. Number two, he's acknowledging the superiority of Jesus, the Messiah of Jesus the Christ, the risen Son of God. He acknowledges, you are Lord, I am not. You are the King, I am not. You are superior, I am not. I mean, remember even what he, what he said earlier, a light from heaven brighter than the sun. Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. To me, it would be like all of a sudden, because it was all of a sudden, just like <clears throat> a bolt of lightning from the east to the west. the light shined 
right here, it's as though God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then all of a sudden, all of Saul's targets and goals, bullseyes, purposes, disappeared in the light of the only end goal, the only target, the only bullseye of God there is. He saw the goal, the goal of the totality of the scriptures. He saw them all in a person. And therefore now, to him, there's always been for God, but now to him, there is no other goal. There is no other purpose. There is no other end goal. There is no other target. There is no other bullseye. Because he has seen the one of whom the scriptures speak. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Verse 16, But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared unto you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. Now, he had been and was in the Scriptures, seeing the Scriptures, and I believe by the work of God, a miracle of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, the light was beginning to shine in his heart, and he was resisting. Or the light was beginning to shine unto him, and he was, bless you, he was resisting. Remember? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. He's resisting this light because he prefers his darkness does not want to come to the light because he calls darkness light. Convinced of his darkness that it is light. Convinced by man, whether that be the natural carnal mind from without, the mind of the first man, Adam, or the natural carnal mind within him, within himself. The first man, Adam, convinced that his darkness is light because he had not yet seen the true light. And yet when God, when God makes known, when God reveals, when God appears, Jesus Christ right here appears as the only light there is, the light that is the heavenly light the light from heaven, the light from God, the light from above, that is greater even than super, super abundantly surpasses the light of the testimony. Now there's no doubt that before he was blind, and now he sees. Because it wasn't things that he was that he now saw. No, remember, the things that he was seeing of the testimony found in the Scriptures were as a lamp unto his feet and a light unto his path. 
And when they shone their brightest, when they were in, their own, in the fullness of their strength, ordained of God, the true light of life appeared. And now there's no doubt. We know that he goes on to even be martyred because of the one whom he had seen. Not convinced anymore by man. No, no, no. Not even convinced by the apostles. Remember, he didn't go, after, after this, he didn't run to Jerusalem and say, hey, Peter, guess, guess who I saw? Tell me about him. Or, hey, John, hey, James, hey, Philip, and on and on and on and on. Uh, guess who I saw? Tell me about him. No, 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 no. No, none of that. Completely convinced of the truth by God himself. And therefore, though he's not in Jerusalem at this time, he's declaring the very same one whom the apostles are declaring, because they also themselves have seen this very same one. And by saying that, I don't mean that they saw the Jesus of Nazareth that walked around with them for three and a half years with sandals. No, no, that's not the one I'm speaking about. I'm speaking about the risen Lord whom appeared. Even as the apostle uh, Peter says, but God who commanded the light to shine in a dark place. No, actually, that's the apostle Peter. Excuse me, the apostle. <laughs> the apostle uh, Paul. No, Peter says this, you take well, you, or you do well to take heed like as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day star, the day spring, arise in your hearts on the inside. He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to believers. Declaring unto them he had been declaring unto them the testimony of Christ and saying, take, take heed to this testimony that the prophets, inspired by the Spirit of God, jotted down. Take heed to this testimony, that this testimony may lead, may guide, may bring you by the work of the Holy Spirit unto the true light, the day dawn, the day star, arise in your hearts. So, the Apostle Paul is declaring the very exact same one whom the other apostles are declaring. Because he has seen the very same one. They have seen the same end goal of God, who is Christ Jesus, his Son. And they declare nothing less than Jesus is Lord. And that was the whole thing, even as I mentioned before. Oh, yes, declare a Messiah, yeah. Declare a king to come, yes. Declare the Christ, which is the Greek of, is Christ is basically the Greek uh, term for the Hebrew term Messiah. Yes, declare, declare him, declare the righteous one, declare, yes. Just don't put a name on it. Just don't make it personable. Don't put Jesus' name on it. That was the Adamic man. That is the first man, Adam. No. God put a name on him. He said, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Very specific. 
Very specific. So here's the Apostle Paul declaring the exact same one as the rest of the apostles. Because just as the rest of the apostles saw him by a miracle of God, so also the Apostle Paul saw him by a miracle of God. All right, where were we? Uh, but rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared unto you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. And I like the, let me see if I can find it. It's James Murdoch's, Murdoch's translation of the Syriac Peshito. I like the way he, he translated this. Let me see if I can find it. It just makes it really specific. And, and he said to me, Stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared to thee for this purpose, to constitute thee a minister and a witness of this, thy seeing me, and of thy seeing me hereafter. I love that translation because it focuses in on a person which person was testified of in the totality and is testified of in the totality of the scriptures. And so now, Paul can go to the scriptures in the multitude of the scriptures, whether it be declaring a high priest or a lamb, or a king, or righteousness, or justice, or eternal life. The list goes on and on and on. By the testimony, he sees that it testifies of Jesus. He sees the light of the testimony now with expectation that that light will lead, will guide, will direct his heart unto beholding yet again this thy seeing me and thy seeing me hereafter. Yet beholding the true light, unto beholding the true light of the world, the true substance of which the testimony speaks. And so... <clears throat> I love this. I love that passage. I love it. Beautiful passage of one just seeing what it's all about. All right. I've got another um, passage I'd like for us to read real quick. This is 1 Samuel, Old Testament. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And I'm not sure where to begin. Oh, look at this. I love this. Let's just, I didn't jot these verses down, but I will right now. Let's start. First Samuel chapter 16, let's read verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, now this during this time, uh, King Saul is king. Saul is king, all right? And 
Saul representing the first head, the first king, the first man that ruled and reigned, completely disobedient to God, just like Adam. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to the house of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. You have to go to Bethlehem to find this one. What a beautiful testimony. Even as those who were guided by the testimony came to Bethlehem, Then he goes on to say, "How uh, Samuel and Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. The, then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I name unto you. So Samuel did what the Lord had said and went to Bethlehem. I love that. And the elders of the town uh, trembled. I'll just stop right there. Uh, they trembled because the prophet showed up, all right? Like, whoa, what did we do wrong? What, what's he going to tell us? All right, uh, well, actually, I'm not sure why they trembled, but they trembled. I just kind of threw in my own two cents, I guess. Um, and then, let's see. Well, I'll just keep on reading. I won't stop at verse 4. I'll just keep on reading verse 5. Uh, actually, verse 4. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Verse 6. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Now this is one of the sons of Jesse. He sees Eliab, Eliab, free male pronunciation, and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. This is him. This is the one. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his, at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him, for the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. But whom is the Lord looking for? Whom is the Lord wanting to make known that He is the one, the only one, whom He has chosen? His one. It takes a miracle of God, brothers and sisters, to see the end goal that God has that is found in the testimony declared in the Scriptures. We see everything else. Even, I mean, this is Samuel, a prophet of God. And yet it requires a miracle of God to behold the one whom the Lord has chosen. 
So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Verse 9, Then Jesse made Shammah, or Shammah, pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. All these seven rejected. Let's go back to Genesis. God creates a creation to testify of His Son. He creates it in seven days. And yet it's only a testimony of the one to come. That's why it exists. That's why this natural creation exists. Testifying of the one, the true one, the only one of whom, whom God himself has chosen. And so right here, seven sons. Jesse makes all his seven sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. No. The Lord has not chosen this first man. No. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest. And there he is, keeping the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. The eighth. David, the eighth son. The eighth. Representing, testifying of, a new creation. A new man. A new head. A new mind. Not corruptible as the first. Not disobedient as the first. But in testimony, obedient. Speaking of David, in testimony, well, I know he falls. Yeah, he sins several times. But he's a testimony of Christ, brothers and sisters. He is, he is a testimony of Jesus of Nazareth, who is King, who is the Lord, who is the Christ, who is the Messiah. Samuel, a prophet. The Apostle Paul later on goes, go, later goes on to say, Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, dot, 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 ministers. But it requires a miracle of God to see the one whom God himself has chosen. So then you can have a group over here, or a group over here, or a group over here, or a group over here, saying, this is the end goal. No, 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 brother. Over here, this is the end goal. Oh, well, you guys have it wrong. It's over here. This is the end goal. All the while, using the Scriptures to prove their very own dark, dark <laughs> doctrine. Yes, I'll say it. Their very own darkness of a doctrine.
Well, why do I call it darkness? Is it bad? Nah, it's probably not bad, but it's not good. Genesis, God saw the light that it was good. God says, let there be light. God saw the light that it was good. Beautiful testimony of Christ. Beautiful testimony of Jesus of Nazareth. Even as, uh, even as the Lord revealed, made known, the one whom He chose unto Samuel, once that happened, brothers and sisters, as this one came more and more into view, not only before Samuel, before Samuel's heart, but before the heart of the people, then the first man, the first one, more and more, went out of view. Let there be light. This requires a miracle of God. A miracle of God to see the light of the testimony found within the fabric of the scriptures. It requires a miracle of God for that very light to lead, to guide, to bring us unto the true light of the world. The summation, totality of the substance of the scriptures being Christ Jesus himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. Complete miracle of God. Until then, we don't want to admit it. We want to call our darkness light when it is just darkness. And we will, like Saul of Tarsus, be at odds with God. That's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, the natural mind, the carnal mind, is enmity with God. We'll probably resist, kick against the goads, and say, no, this is what it is. This is what it's saying. This is what this scripture says. All the while, the light is there. But we do not desire to come to the light, that it may direct our heart unto the true light of the world. This requires, my brothers and sisters, a work of the Holy Spirit. God does not leave, aren't you thankful? Our God does not leave us in our own hands. <laughs> no, no. He has sent His Spirit to direct us, to prepare the ground of our heart and direct us unto His very own Son. I mean, even with Samuel. Samuel, who's a prophet, <laughs> established as a prophet of God, by God. Everybody's convinced. Everybody knows Samuel is a true prophet. He himself needed a miracle of God. And praise God when God performed that miracle. I love it. Bringing the Son, the exalted Son, into view. So, 
It's really all I had uh, for this class of Let There Be Light, just the importance of the scriptures. Why are the scriptures, the Old Testament, so important? Because they testify of Jesus Christ. They testify of Him. They testify of a person given of God, designed of God with that very one purpose, with, for, for that very one end. So, please present all this to the Holy Spirit, our true teacher, that he may take that which he desires to take from what, wherever he desires to take it um, and use it to prepare the ground of our heart for God's end, for God's goal, for God's purpose. Amen? Amen. The Lord bless. We'll see you in our next lesson. Amen.